I'm Lou Moultrie. Welcome to Freedom to Talk, a women's chat room. In this first series, we're talking about domestic abuse and the impacts it has on women and children. The women who are speaking today are all victims of violence. This is an opportunity for these women to get their voices heard, start the conversation and dispel myths. These are honest accounts being discussed and can be distressing. So please take care when listening. Let's celebrate these women for speaking out. This is um, Lou Moultrie again. This is episode three, and um, this is Freedom to Talk uh, Women's Chat Room, um, the iPod that is actually going out to London women as well. And as you know, um, you've been talking to our wonderful group of women. We've been running a project for months now and supporting each other. And the the common denominator is that we have all gone through some form of abuse that could have been sexual violence, um, domestic abuse or child abuse. OK, so the really heavy top topics and subjects. And I want to say what I've been saying from the beginning is that I really want everyone, uh, male and female, whoever's listening, we welcome you. Um, but we want you to really take care of yourself. Um, you may have some triggers. And when I say triggers, if you're, we're speaking about stuff and you're feeling a bit wobbly in your body or in your brain, even that they're both connected. I want you to take care of yourself, maybe um, grab a drink and um, sit down, take a breath and think about what that we all take care. But just because we are here as well, it's really important that we talk about these subjects. And that is why we are here. So as I've said on um, episode one and two, um, we have had a group of wonderful London ladies from all over. And there are some of these ladies that have been in the background supporting us. And some have spoke, some haven't. You've met most of us. But we still have um, a couple of ladies to introduce themselves today. So our first lady is Michaela. So I just wanted to ask Michaela, um, which we've asked every other lady, why why are you part of this Michaela what I'm part of this because um I've survived a lot and um I think it's, it's groups and agencies organizations that have I see it saved my life mm -hmm. and I want to be able to be involved in something like this moving forward and pay it forward and help other people so if I can save a life that means everything I've been through has been um, not in vain mm. and I've been through a lot um, I'm my background is um, I was born here I'm a South Londoner my my parents are both from Jamaica like British Jamaicans yeah. um, so I've I was brought up with very typical Caribbean parents you know we were taught to you obey your elders, obey, you know, older people, respect older people. And a lot of what we were taught, I mean, in a normal circumstance would have been great, you know, great, yeah. you know, great upbringing for great citizens. But unfortunately, I, I feel that some of what I was taught set me up 
and set my me and my siblings up actually for abuse because you know we never questioned adults never questioned them and so we were often in situations where we there were but you know uh, dodgy adults around us who you know kind of took advantage of that upbringing mm. and um you know, I've got other friends in the same situation. Like I've got other friends who, again, Caribbean background, different Caribbean backgrounds. I mean, I, I, I feel like I experienced abuse from a young age. At a young age, it was mental. It was neglect. It was emotional from a parent um, that really set me up for what happened in my younger years, teens and adulthood. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, I feel like, I felt like at first I kind of escaped childhood abuse, but when I look back, I was not, I didn't, you know, a lot of it was emotional. A lot of it was, you know, I was being almost groomed. It felt like, you know, which you wouldn't normally use the word regarding a parent, but that's how it felt like I was being groomed. Yeah. So that anyone that came along who had the wrong, you know, it was, was not appropriate or had the wrong mindset was able to get to me. Mm. You know, I was always afraid to say no to people, afraid to offend, afraid to be naughty or deemed as naughty by not being obedient to whoever that adult may be. Yeah. And um, I think my my trauma began when I was, well, before that, but my, really, really, that I remember was when I was six and um, I I witnessed my closest childhood friend being abused by her dad mm. on a sleepover. And I just, for, my life was never the same after that. Yeah, It was never the same because I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can't help her. I mean, I was so young, but I knew it was all wrong mm. and I couldn't help her. I couldn't help her. And I, I narrowly escaped being interfered with him myself yeah. you know before that but then he got her and it was like that sounds absolutely oh horrendous Michaela it was horrendous. it was and and I think even in my in my adulthood when I had I did have therapy it came up yeah. and I realized I was still more traumatized about that than actually stuff that happened to myself yeah so yeah that was something I had to really um deal with but you know that was six and from then on you know I think I, I was I was I was um actually raped at 16 yeah. And I just remember, you know, going to my one of my parents and telling them about it and them saying, oh, I can't deal with your problems. I don't have time for your issues, you know, only to discover later on mm. that that parent was also abused as a child. Yeah. So it was a I realized that this there's this generational thing. So it's happened to one. So they think, well, I've dealt with it. So they just got to get on with it, yeah. you know, so yeah. never had the help as a child. And so for me. I think the agencies, the stuff that's set up now, the things that are happening and people, you know, setting up programs like this or what have you. And it's it's a lifesaver because there was nothing when I was a child. So I went to people and, you know, yeah, they didn't they didn't help. And so it's for me a blessing to have this kind of organisation to help me going forward. Thank you so much, Michaela, for um, intro introducing yourself and um, why you're here. And if ever there's a reason, um, to be supportive of women like ourselves um this is it isn't it um so yeah so thank you Michaela and we'll be coming back to these lovely ladies um again our next lady um that's going to do, introduce herself is um Charlotte hi so my name's my name's Charlotte and I'm very very thankful to be part of this group um why am I part of it it's because I was um in a domestic abuse marriage for over two decades and I have realized just through interacting with the different providers and services out there 
that there's such a lack of understanding when it comes to psychological and emotional abuse. There's a lot of understanding around physical abuse because it's easy to label, but there's a complete lack of understanding with the psychological and emotional abuse. And I think it is very, very difficult for service providers to provide the support that they need to do because unless they've walked it, because we can recognize nuances and words and tactics that because we're trained in it and we've dealt with it for so long that we can spot it very easily but someone to the uneducated ear or eye it looks like completely normal behavior and so I'm very thankful to be part of this group because we're I'm I'm hoping creating a shift in people's thinking process and people's understanding so that we can deal with this and we can manage it and put preventative measures in place or stop further abuse to women and of course stop further abuse to children yeah and unfortunately I think children there's a lot of support out there for adults but I honestly think children suffer silently in this process because they're not mature enough or old enough to be able to deal with such a traumatic event and then process it in a way which doesn't lead to destruction or dysfunction. And that's where we need to come in and support those vulnerable kids and adolescents to try and help them through that process. And that's why I'm so thankful to be part of this group. And sort of speaking to my own background, similar to Michaela's, was that I was brought up in an abusive environment. Mm. You know, London girl as well. Irish Catholic parents I mean that speaks for itself in many ways and then um, molested as a child and not realizing when I then became an adult I had no Mm -hmm. self-esteem I was deeply deeply insecure and because of that low self-worth and belief in myself when I was treated badly by people I dated I didn't know any different and I didn't expect any different because deep down inside I didn't think I was worth anything more And also when you've been grown up in an abusive environment and you walk into another abusive environment, that's your normality. Totally. Because you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what normal is. That's the whole point. And it took me decades. And it was when I went in your freedom program, Lou, where I realized myself what abuse was Mm -hmm. and identifying it. And then even realizing, because it caused me a huge amount of triggers and trauma going through your freedom program. That my marriage was so much more abusive than I realized because I had no idea what normal was yeah. and that's something that I think that a lot of women need to go through a process almost of deprogramming so they then can begin that journey of healing yeah totally thank you so much Charlotte um that was wonderful to hear from the both of you but but very sad in in what the stories that you're telling us and and very similar to all the women that have introduced themselves on here and they've been part of this project that we all have uh, horrendous histories um but how fantastic to have you all together supporting each other so we're a group of about 10 12 ladies um that dip in and out of these these um episodes and these sessions and our project that have been supporting each other for a long time and it is so so necessary i can't tell you as listeners how much um this is not a lone journey i do not believe after working with domestic abuse and sexual violence for over 25 years now 
Um, that shows how old I am, by the way. But um, I do not believe that we can recover from this stuff without adequate support. You know, we can get on, we can push it aside. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people out there. There will be a lot of you listening out there that are victims or survivors of this stuff that are thinking, well, I'm doing okay. Um, I've got my job. I don't need to speak about this, but um, the trauma is deep in there and it will be impacting. And we do um, historically pass it down um, it, we cannot help but do that unconsciously is pass the trauma down um, to the next generation. And I think that's been mentioned about Michaela and most probably probably um, in what Charlotte spoke about and every other woman. So I'm going to open this conversation up a bit now. And we are here. So this episode is when the penny dropped. Um, it's quite a big question. And again, I really want you to um, be aware that you may be triggered. But this is real London women speaking in 2021, um, speaking about when the penny dropped. Um, you know, this is real stuff. And we have spoken about this before we recorded. And um, some of us ladies have thought, well, I'm not sure. Could I bring this? And absolutely, absolutely. Because how are we going to get our message out there if we don't be real? And it's not good listening. If you're here to have a lovely, happy story and a happy ending, we're talking about violence against women, violence against children. And um, so I'm asking one lady at a time. Um, when did the penny? So, Ginny, should we go to you first? Um, Ginny, when did the penny drop? And when I say that, I'm I'm talking about at what point in a relationship or at your in your life did you stop and think, oh my god, what's happening? Um, so that's what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah. Um, so for me, um, there has been. There have been several situations uh, throughout um, my past relationship um, that I knew things were wrong. Um, I couldn't quite put my finger on. Um, and I've, you know, seeked support from GPs and friends and family. Um, but the advice, um, people mentioned things to me, including the GP, um, that it sounds um, like there's a personality issue. Um, I actually went to the GP searching for help, how to deal with my exes, what I thought was depression then. Um, and after having a chat and her saying, oh, making me realize that it sounds like he's choosing to just behave that way behind closed doors or to me, so he could control his um behavior yeah. in front of other people um yet he couldn't do it behind closed doors in front of me so she said it sounds like there's more uh, uh, a personality issue than uh, it's a depression because he is obviously controlling it and in some situations so he th this is not you know a way of him losing control um so but it didn't quite it didn't quite click to me I think I've ignored all these uh, you know I've had people friends and family saying to me it sounds like things things are wrong and um, supporting me in what I thought was, you know, not I'm in a ride, but I'm, my feelings of things are wrong were um, valid. Yeah. But it wasn't until I really became 
after many years, I became suicidal, actually had suicidal thoughts during mm. one of our, I don't know, I don't know if I can call it argument, but it was his slashing out at me. Yeah. Um, and just the thought crossed my mind for a brief moment and it really scared me. Mm -hmm. I, I would never act on it, but just just the thought that I had a brief, you know, second thought of of I can't go on um, anymore. Um, I've um, contacted um, talking therapies, um, self self referred because in the area I'm in, um, it doesn't have to go through GP self refer. Yeah. And when uh, the therapist contacted me for initial assessment, um, it ended up that she referred me to um, a domestic abuse um, organization. Mm. And that's when it kind of, all the memories of, of, of advice I've had, you know, over the years have come flooding back to kind of say, look, you know, th this, is, this is abuse. I wouldn't have probably called it that uh, before this, uh, because I always thought, we are both in the wrong or I, I felt actually initially I felt like I'm doing some, something wrong because I always felt like everything's my fault. Um, I'm the one who I've been told, you know, who cries to win an argument. Um, yeah. You know, I wasn't allowed to cry um, in, in my past relationship because I was told it is passive aggressive behavior and I'm, I'm doing it to win an argument. Yeah. Um, so to be obviously having sort of a brief life story told to the therapist who then referred me to the abuse, you know, um, domestic abuse organization kind of suddenly, yeah, like you said, the penny dropped. Okay. This, this is abuse. This is um, real. This, this is, is real. real. And it's, this is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Um, and then obviously from then on, I've had some support. Um, Thank um, you so much, um, Ginny. Yeah, um, so that sounded like a really um, long journey of just um, not being able to connect that this this is actually um, a really challenging relationship. And I noticed, um, sorry, I nearly interrupted you then, but I noticed when you said you went to the GP for his um, depression. Did I get that right? Is that what yes, you said? Yes, I, I did. Yeah, because yeah. I believed he behaved, he always excused Mm. his behavior um as he's down he's depressed everything's yeah. too much and yeah. I need to be more supportive um and when he gets like this he just you know wants me to hug hug him and yeah. it's always been I'm behaving this way because of things that happened in my past yeah. um and kind of putting everything on me so I've tried so many so many different strategies over the years to try to deal with it um but it drove me into into obviously becoming you know having suicidal thoughts yeah um, yeah and that's the impact of, mm -hmm. that's the real impact of of uh domestic abuse so thank you so much Ginny um thank for you. that um so I'm gonna go next to Nina so Nina I know you've you've spoke with us before on the last couple of episodes like um Ginny has but can you tell us when I when I say when did the penny drop, Nina? What's your thoughts on that? Um, so for me, I can um, very much relate to what Ginny just said. So putting it down more to a personality disorder, whether it was his or mine, mm. um, and focusing for many many years on that, missing the red flags um, that didn't 
that weren't quite right, but you you don't have an answer to it, or the answer that you're giving um, just kind of excuses the behaviour away. Mm. And so, to bring it back, it was a 35 year relationship yeah. where he had always shown to be like a really really calm guy, really nice, um, not aggressive at all, mm. never anything physical. Yeah. And just after um, a discussion that turned into an argument, just literally over paying me, paying a bill, because I was very much financially controlled, mm. it just blew into a huge rage, something that I've never seen. Mm. So him storming off and then storming back into me and towards me, the... Um, the voice and the tone escalating I tried to move away and he pulled me back and basically it what I then learned it was it's non-fatal strangulation but I yeah. couldn't even realize what it was but inside me it was the first moment I had I'd had inklings that yeah. there was something aggressive in him yeah. because um, there were weapon collections and things like that mm. Um, a military um, obsession and so that was the moment where I it was like intolerable and like um, yeah I just that is something that was totally unacceptable to me Mm. even if I didn't realize that even as physical as it was that it was actually domestic abuse Mm. that's it was just some I I didn't name it as that Um, so I was living abroad at the time and that was the moment I just said absolutely no more there is something definitely not right I cannot this is like really serious and this was like life for me um so I left the country um relocated back to England and it was only when I'd actually um spoken about it with a police officer that he actually said, look, this is serious, this is domestic. And he didn't actually name it as domestic abuse. He um, forwarded me, signposted me, saying that it could be reported um, to a domestic uh, violence agency. Mm. And then from there on, I was signposted to other services, Mm. uh, support services. Um, But it was even nine, nine months on, did I actually realise during um, the Freedom Programme that it was actually that I had been a victim and how much there was more than just that um, non-fatal strangulation yeah. incident? So It sounds like when you're talking, Nina, um, similar to Ginny, that there was a build-up, there was different things, but it was sort of put aside and not really seen it wasn't really present in what you you were thinking and it took so it sounds like you were with this person for a long time and then um you've got to a point where th- this awful assault attack um is has happened and that is the turning point of uh looking at things change thinking right well I, I can't do this but then you go and speak to people that are mentioning that this is actually confirming that this is not okay um, and how serious this is. I imagine you were on a high risk risk assessment because strangulation is um, how many women unfortunately lose their lives in domestic abuse relationships. 
Um, but then at that point, you go to another organisation, do some work about domestic abuse and then learn, wow, this has been going on for exactly years and years and years. This nice guy, because I heard you say that at the beginning, this is supposedly, you know, non-threatening, um, you know, gentle-ish sort of person. Um, so that sounds like it's not domestic abuse, but then you you go to this service and start understanding that this all has been happening to you and put all of the pieces all of the pieces together um so yeah but thank you for sharing that nina so it sounds like that it's coming out that this happens quite a lot and it's definitely been apparent in our group so um Michelle, do you want to um do you want to um tell us a little about when the penny dropped for you when was that, that um, defining moment um, in in a relationship or in your life that you you came to the conclusion that this this isn't okay? Um, so I grew up um, with uh, domestic violence from my parents. All the relationships I was in, um, if I didn't have a perpetrator, I'd sort of turned into the perpetrator. So it was all very normal for me: physical, verbal abuse um that was my idea of normal I didn't know what abuse was I had it confused so um it was really really hard so I'd been physically abused I'd been I'd even been stabbed you know um I'd been emotionally abused but I still I still didn't didn't see that the wrong in it. it it was still very normal to me um and then my husband at the time, um, I had a brilliant job. I was working in the financial sector. I was working in the city. I was earning yeah. good money. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he was selling class A drugs while I was working. Yeah. Um, it was nothing to do with me. I, I, I hadn't known anything about drugs in my life. I knew about recreational drug use and stuff like that. But he was selling like hardcore drugs while I was at work and while I was in bed at night. Um, and I didn't want to know about it. I didn't get involved in it. I didn't really want to know what he was doing. Um, and there came a point when he had been stopped by the police on the road. So he'd swallowed the drugs because he used to carry them in his mouth. Yeah. Um, and when he came home, he was really angry, you know, because that was his money, those drugs. So he swallowed them all. So now he felt like he didn't have anything. Um, and I remember him drinking uh, lots of orange juice, telling me that he had to pass them out. Um, that, that, that moment there sort of, I didn't, it wasn't really real for me. I'd only ever seen stuff like that on telly. So I was just like, couldn't believe I'm in this situation. But after he did pass them out, he told me, I had to go in and clean these drugs off that were like covered in his shit yeah. um, because he couldn't stomach it. Mm. Someone had to do it and that someone was me. And I was so fearful of him. I found myself on my bathroom floor, you know, on my knees, sifting through his feces and washing off mm. class A drugs. Like that wasn't me. That wasn't my my life, my upbringing. And it was at that point 
And I just thought, what the hell is actually happening here? That someone has got this much power and control over me that I'm doing this mm. and that I've got to go into work tomorrow and sit in front of those normal people mm. and feel ashamed of what I've actually been doing the night before. You know, I just, my I couldn't get my head around it. Um, mm. And that was it for me. I knew this isn't normal. This is not right. Thank you for sharing that, Shani. And and that will be, you know, we're, we're London women and there will be lots of London women out there that will possibly doing similar or involved in stuff that is similar to that and have no understanding that, that it's fear involved in it. A lot of it is fear. Um, so it's important. You, we may not like the word shit. We may not like the, what we're hearing. But, you know, this is truth. This is London. And this is what is going on and has been going on and continues. We never hear of, um, you know, it reminded me of uh, gang leaders. We never hear of where are those women? Where are their partners? Where are they? Because they're out there. A lot of these gang leaders do have partners um, women by their sides and we never see them in services it's very rarely we see them um, is it because we're seeing them um, once they've taken their lives or do we ever get to see them is are they in the mental health system and they never talk about it but all the years I've been working um, I've only worked with two two um, young ladies that have come from gangs um, you know, and I, I'm only saying that because I know you, you're not in a gang, Shani, but, you know, it, it reminded <laughs> me of this sort of life um, and where this comes from and, and the the involvement um, that women have in these things. And fear is, is most definitely part of it. But no one puts the name domestic abuse to this. That they are absolutely victims of domestic abuse in this. So thank you so much, Shani. Do you want to share with us when the penny dropped? You know, um, when was that defining moment? Some of us will have many, but when was it for you, um, Charlotte? So for me, it's bizarre. And I think a lot of women can relate to this is that when you're in it, it's very hard to see the wood for the trees. It's almost like there's a form of denial in there, yeah, totally. even to the point where you'll defend your spouse in front of other people. But deep, deep, deep down, you know, it's abuse. But just haven't been able to label it or identify it. it's very hard to explain but for me I think one of the pennies that dropped and I think there's a few before it kind of really hit me between the eyes was um my ex-husband was having a go at my daughter for something that she considered to be wrong in his opinion mm. but she didn't actually know what she was being having a go at for and so yeah. she was trying to defend herself and question what she's been having a go at for and um she was stood up and he was stood up and he just grabbed her by the shoulders and shunted her across the room which was very good at doing mm. with my kids because that wasn't violent <sighs> and um and it was in that moment that I just thought I can't do this anymore yeah. and I don't know how to get out of it I just can't do this anymore yeah and it, I think it was at that point. And then there was a couple of other points after that where I um, I knew this this had to stop. And I think the second one, which I think would probably help a lot of women and maybe, maybe not, but I remember I wouldn't never talk to my 
ex-husband's abusive behavior to anyone because he always said to me you're betraying your family you're betraying me you don't share your dirty laundry with anyone and so there's always that like prison mentality where I thought I can't do this I can't do this because I'm betraying him I'm betraying my family but that that is an abusive tactic it's a control tactic yeah and it sounds like fearful as well it sounds it doesn't sound like you you know it sounds like you you would listen to that when someone's telling you that because there's fear involved yeah but again you don't realize it because it's subtle it's not obvious and um and I remember I, I finally shared up shared with a woman who was just pursued me and she just she once had a heart to just mentor me and coach me she's a bit older than me and then one day she said I think you're in an abusive marriage me going no 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 you're wrong you're wrong it's fine it's fine and her going no I think and her and her husband were mentors for couples and she said I think you need to speak to both of us would you allow me to talk to him and I said okay because I trusted her husband I'd known him met him several times and I trusted him and I remember going over to dinner and sharing my story with them and the husband actually just stopped me mid-conversation mm. and he's a very gentle very kind man and he just stopped me mid that I was like I heard a man tell me and I think that for me was when my brain got it. I heard a man That's tell quite me powerful in itself isn't it um and to be told it in a gentle way as well yeah um, thank you so much Charlotte um our last lady Michaela before we go um Michaela Wow, I've had to take a deep breath because even though um, I work with you all and, um, you know, and we're together in a lot of this stuff, it's still, you know, we need to take those deep breaths. The day we ever think that this is okay, and I've heard all this before, um, we need to really check out why it's so normalised because I'm listening and hearing these ladies and just thinking, oh, my God, you know, it, yeah, yeah, this it continues over and over and over again. And women should not be going through this. Men should not be going through this either. But, um, you know, this is awful. So, Michaela, um, when did the penny drop for you? At what defining moment? Um, the defining moment for me, I think, I like the other ladies have had more than one, but um, one of them in particular triggered the others to all come together yeah. um, for me, yeah. where I, my health was failing. I was at uh, five different clinics, five different consultants, five different illnesses. Mm. And it was an amazing GP who said, I actually think these are all connected. Yeah. She just, she just, for some reason, she just put it together. I think they're connected. She said, I'm going to send you to this particular clinic. Because in fact, because my hair was falling out like I was having chemotherapy. Yeah. And um, when she sent me to this uh, this consultant, I'd had I'd seen one person. I saw the the main consultant in the end, mm. and she said, "We're treating you. We're doing everything we can. Nothing's working. Tell me what's going on." And I thought, mm. a bit odd. I'm at a clinic for my hair. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I just said, "I do a couple of things. You know, you, you sort of sort of brush it off like it's just a couple of things. You know, I'm yeah. under stress, and I don't know what I can't even remember what I said, but she stopped me. Yeah. Also, mid sentence said, "You." are an abused spouse and when she said those words I thought oh my gosh I remembered when I wrote my journal at the age of 27 I am being abused on one blank page and I shut the book and I put it away I remembered you know when I tried to leave because I got married at 20 I was very young Mm -hmm. um 
you know, I remember, I remember thinking, I've married my mum, <laughs> you know, and again, that all came together. It's like, oh my gosh, this all makes sense. Yeah. And I kind of went into a bit of a meltdown and I, from there, everything was like a whirlwind. I was referred to two psychologists, a psychiatrist. Then they sent me to the, the, um, the, host, the hospital, IDVA, I guess that that's what it is now. Yeah. I didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. It's independent. And... Um, for anyone listening, it's an independent domestic violence advocate and they are in most... Um, if not all London boroughs will have them and they are specialists yeah. in domestic abuse and we have ISVAs as well independent sexual violence advocates um, specialists in um, sexual violence as well so sorry to Michaela no that's okay no it's okay but that was amazing for me yeah. as much as I was going through a bit of a meltdown because it's like oh my gosh I mean I, I had a massive button that was in my head that was that had denial written on it I couldn't press it anymore I couldn't press it anymore. I knew, already knew, and it's like someone's telling me, you've always known this. I couldn't lie to myself anymore. And so having, and then and she showed me the domestic violence wheel and I literally went into an absolute frenzy because everything on that wheel was me. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It had a list of about 15, I don't know, it was a massive list of things. Yeah. And I'd been through all of them. And then I remembered, I sort of spoke to her, I said, yeah, and because, you know, because of my abuse, I'd lost two babies. Yeah. And, and it's just like oh my gosh and it was real I couldn't deny that anymore it was because of the abuse I lost two children mm-hmm. you know and so yeah so after that I was put through to family justice center and all, a lot of other services mm-hmm. so that was it for me I couldn't turn back mm-hmm. I couldn't look him in the face and not say anymore yeah yeah he's, he's, he's just gone through trauma because he had childhood trauma and so on yeah so yeah Michaela wow um and I'm sorry for your losses you know I really am um but I I just want to remind the people that are listening that um the body does keep score it really does there there are books written about this and if you feel like you're going through this and you don't want to talk to anyone at the moment and is um is maybe go online you can google things um there is a, a guy a doctor called Gabor Uh, Mate that speaks a lot about how a lot of us that are having illnesses um, most of them I'm not a doctor by the way so I'm going to have lots of people (laughs) complaining but most of them and I I truly believe this after working in this field and being a victim of uh, violence myself that the body does keep score and trauma is held in our body for when we're able to heal and like you said Michaela your your hair was falling out um various different illnesses um you know it holds on to what we're unable to process and um sometimes we can do that in a healing journey so i'm realizing this is a a longer um you know uh session than usual but i just want to end um i don't think we've time we've got time for everyone to you know um say something profound that they want to say to the other women but just um one sentence if you were gonna say it to this group of women but anyone out there what would you say because listening to this stuff goodbye all and just um yeah you're amazing and don't ignore the red flags yes don't ignore them and just you know just when they come up hear them because they've been there for a reason Yep. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. And I will reflect what the other ladies have said. Listen to your gut. Listen to those um, doubts that you might have. Yeah. Goodbye. You haven't made them up. Charlotte, do you want to say goodbye? 
Yeah, I do. And I just want to tell all these lovely women out here, out there who are listening to these messages and, and sharing of our stories is that we have each other and we believe in each other and we believe in you. So no matter your journey, there is people out there who are believing for you to have the breakthrough that you so desperately desire. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Right, from goodbye from all of us. Um, yeah, goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and hearing women's true life experiences. Don't let the conversation stop here. If you want to be part of Freedom to Talk, contact me at info freedom together cic.co.uk or you can link yourself in through the website you can support a frontline worker or a victim of violence to receive trauma therapy by contributing to our bursary fund again have a look on our website and take care be safe <laughs>